As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Monday, November 23rd. We are just about ready to move on to week 12. One more week 11 game still ahead of us. Bucks and Rams on Monday Night Football. We're going to take a look back at the rest of week 11 and spin all that news forward. I am Michael Beller, joined by Jake Seeley. Jake, what's up? What's up? I don't see it in the show sheet, so I want to know, are you now on board with dropping Marquise Brown? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i guess i guess that was that was never the argument it was never marquise brown is great but a zero catch three target game probably has me maybe more thinking eh, jake was right on that one i'll give him this one and brandon funston brandon what's up with you yeah i'm just imagining an island of fruitless air yards that includes henry ruggs and mike marquise brown it's the, <laughs> the well, wait, island did, of, did ruggs uh, even get a yeah. target yesterday he got one, I believe. Um, yeah, but it's the island of misfit fantasy wide receiver toys. <laughs> I like I guess. that. But you're about a month early, though. So yeah, yeah, like, save that's that. True. that. You could do that column next month. The island yeah. of misfit <laughs> fantasy toys. Yeah, and maybe not putting too much uh, belief in the stats that don't necessarily translate to actual production. And we actually, just gave Brandon an article idea. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. We actually sort of have I'm something. Write, I'm writing it down. Yeah, we have, something, we have something that sort of fits into that discussion on the show sheet a little bit later. So we're going to get into uh, we're going to get into something like that. But guys, I mean, it's week 11. It's the week of Taysom Hill. Where could we possibly start other than with Taysom Hill and what he did uh, in his first career start? 18 for 23, 233 yards, better than 10 yards per attempt, 10 carries, 51 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Basically, if you drew up, if someone told you Taysom Hill's going to have a good game, what is it going to look like in advance? It was, it's exactly what he did, right? And I love seeing that. If I want to believe in a guy, I want him to be able to deliver in the way we expect him to deliver. That's exactly what Taysom Hill did in the Saints win over the Falcons. So we've got a uh, a group of questions, I think, that we need to hit on with Taysom Hill. The first one, Jake, we're going to go to you first on this, is where is Taysom Hill on the spectrum of quarterbacks for the rest of the season? 
Yeah, uh, see, I thought you were going to Brandon first because what I said yesterday on our morning show, and then I think Brandon's going to say the same thing, is I said he was Cam Newton. And I, that's why we, when we had the whole whiteboard part about who's where is he going to rank at tight end, and that's why I said if you told me Cam Newton at tight end, that's why I'm putting him one and not two, is because the running. I mean, look at it, 233, that feels good, especially 18 for 23, but zero passing touchdowns. And the yards per attempt feel nice, but again, zero passing touchdowns. Focused on Michael Thomas, focused basically on one wide receiver for most of the game, as Cam Newton will do with Jacoby Myers, maybe occasionally a different wide receiver. Did your in week 11? Yes. I mean, that was the first time he threw for 300 yards this year, correct? Uh, but, you know, second. it's the fit. The second? Uh, so 51 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. If it's one rushing touchdown, now we're talking about, oh, it was a fine Taysom Hill game. <laughs> he was QB probably, what, 14, 13, mm-hmm. somewhere around there with only run, run, one rushing touchdown. So. I feel like I'm stealing your thunder, Brandon, but I, I think that's what we think. Is He's Cam Newton. He's going to be high-end QB2. If he doesn't run for a touchdown, you're going to be looking at a rough day. Yeah, he's yeah he's in the Cam Newton-Lamar Jackson spectrum, I hate to say it right now. Probably you know closer to the Cam Newton than Lamar Jackson, but God, who knows with the way Lamar has been going, and we keep expecting the, the corner to be turned, and it just isn't happening. But you said that that Taysom Hill would be the tight end one, and Beller and I said that it would be Travis Kelsey. And in half PPR, Yahoo scoring, you were right, Jake, just barely. It was barely like, what was it, like two points? Yeah, it was like 22.7. I know, because Kelsey killed me. I had a freaking 20-something point <laughs> lead going into last night's game, and I ended up losing by one point, so I, trust me, I know. <laughs> I wrote it down here because I remembered from our discussion on the fantasy cheat sheet on Sunday morning that we we talked about that. So Hill had 24.42 points in that standard scoring where he lost two points because of the lost fumble. Kelsey had 22.74 in half yeah, there PPR, you go, 26.74 in full PPR. So right You're there right. It was that it was that second rushing touchdown for Taysom Hill that put him over the top. It was yeah, that was hard uh, to imagine. Yeah, at least we uh, don't have to worry about that now. You get your one week out of it, so we're moving on from that <laughs> the <tight end> situation. <laughs> I joke at least say, can we get him running back eligibility next week? Now, I mean, ten for fifty-one and two touchdowns. Yeah, right. Right. Can we get can we get every quarterback running back eligibility? Isn't that how this works here? Uh, after seeing what uh, what they do from a week to week basis, uh, obviously everything that happens with Taysom Hill has some downstream effects in the rest of the Saints' offense, and I do think that we need to touch on that. So first, Michael Thomas. If you are invested in Michael Thomas, nice big sigh of relief on Sunday. Nine grabs, twelve targets, one hundred four yards in the game, still without a touchdown on the season, but. This was not just a good game for Michael Thomas. This is season highs across the board. Receptions, targets, yards, all season highs for Michael Thomas. So you got to feel good about that. Still probably think there's a higher floor and ceiling with Drew Brees, but at least you can rest easy in the fact that it's not like Taysom Hill is going to sink Michael Thomas. On the other hand, Alvin Kamara managers might be a little bit nervous. 13 carries for 45 yards, did get into the uh, uh, end zone on the ground. One target for Alvin Kamara, zero catches. That's the first time in Alvin Kamara's career he has had a game with zero catches. Brandon, I'll ask you this one first. Is this an anomaly, or is this something that we might have to be worried about with Hill potentially radically changing the offense? Um, I I would think that it should be an anomaly. If Sean Payton's going back to the, you know, okay, what do we need to clean up? What do we need to do? Look, Alvin Kamara has... 67 catches is averaging almost 10 yards per catch. It's the best 
average yards per catch among running backs that have 25 catches or more. And like the average is typically around six yards per catch, middle sixes. So it's a, it's a huge advantage to get Alvin Kamara the ball in the passing game. Like it's just plus, plus, plus. So if you're going back and looking at it, yeah, you need to do that. Not everybody's going to be Atlanta Falcons. If you watch this game, Atlanta wasn't putting a ton of pressure on Taysom Hill had a lot of time to throw. That's the mm-hmm. one. That's the one takeaway I'll say about the passing that could be like, well, is that going to be sustainable? Um, it gets Atlanta again in a couple of weeks, so that should be okay. But Denver, I, I'm guessing, will be a little bit different story in that regard. You need to have that option in play. So I'm guessing they're going to go ahead and try to clean things up this week in terms of getting Kamara the ball in the passing game. Yeah, I'm mildly concerned, but I think it's obviously the passing game is a concern, but also it doesn't sound like he was 100% yesterday, and Mm -hmm. some of the reports today say he's still dealing with that ankle foot injury situation, so that's added to it. You know, I do see where they would, hey, let's get Kamara more involved, but kind of going back to the Cam Newton situation is what if, you know, it's the James White effect where all of a sudden, you know, it's just right. not going to be a lot of passes to the running back. Well, you see more than one, sure, like three, four, but is he healthy at the same time? So I'd say the combination has me probably like at a six and a 10. If it was just one or the other, it'd be like a three, but mm-hmm. the combination of Taysom Hill plus the injury has me significant. Not, well, I guess significant would be like an eight, like above average concern at six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say also something that is in favor of something that is maybe some circumstantial evidence in fa- in support of him maybe not being at 100% yesterday is that Latavius Murray got 12 carries and two targets. So right. we did see a little bit more yeah. Murray. Murray actually played the entire first series. We didn't see Kamara even on the field until the second series of the game, the second possession of the game, not series, second possession of the game for the Saints. So maybe that also contributes to uh, a belief, a, a fact that uh, Alvin Kamara wasn't quite at 100% in that game. And uh, two-yard touchdown run for Taysom Hill. That was a designed play. Uh, the 10-yard touchdown run was a dropback where he scrambled and made something happen. And that's life with Taysom Hill at quarterback. And it could be something we see for the rest of the season. Uh, guys, the next thing is something I hope we see for the rest of the season. And I'm not even invested anywhere in J.K. Dobbins. But J.K. Dobbins uh, clearly led Baltimore's backfield in that loss against the Titans in Week 11. 15 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. Now, we've seen numbers like that from Dobbins this season, but they never came with a combined five carries only for Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram. When we first talked about J.K. Dobbins having his role increase a couple of weeks ago, it was with Gus Edwards also having a huge role in the running game. He tripled the number of uh, carries that Edwards and Ingram had together. Jake, are we taking this, the fact, this big gap between Dobbins and the rest as a sign that finally there's been a changing of the guard in Baltimore. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think if anything, we've learned from all these teams that you can't, like, stop. This is why this is, like, the Chargers. This is, hey, it's Naeem Hines' job. Well, look who shows up. And I'm Jonathan Taylor. Like, this is what coaches do, and this is what coaches do when there's not a clear, definitive, 100%, this is the guy. Now, should he be the guy? Absolutely. I think everybody out there would agree that he's the most talented running back out of all of them, and Mark Ingram's pretty much done, and Gus Edwards is just, you know, hey, let's give you some third down goal line rushing yards to spell whoever's in the lead. So we can hope, but you asked, is it going to be? There's no way on earth I would put money on that. Yeah, I mean... 
You might as well have put Jonathan Taylor in this conversation hey, as well. Hey, we're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor. I know, but we're going to talk about it in the same vein of who the hell knows. I mean, I think, you know, you're going you're to talk about Taylor getting the 22 carries and say, is this the time we believe in him? Well, I would have said week two after week two when he had 26 carries. That was the time we believed in him. And, and it kind of worked out for a little while. But then, you know, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you i man i've been i've been banging the jk dobbins drum for a while i think he you know as as his versatility is like the you know he's the guy that gives him the best of both worlds in the running and passing game they haven't been throwing to the running backs enough maybe they should do that for lamar jackson just to get him mm-hmm. kind of help him get in a rhythm i mean i would i would change that baltimore offense completely but what the hell do i know um <laughs> It's just it would it would start with J.K. Dobbins being a feature back uh, for sure. So I hope it happens. There's some good there's some good spots for Dobbins the rest of the way. Um, but man, I'm not going to I'm not going to bank on it. I'm just going to cross my fingers. I have a lot of Dobbins. So well, then um, here's the question for you and Mike too. If you had Dobbins, would you go buy Eckler with him? You mean trade trade Dobbins for Eckler? Yeah. Um. What's the what's the expected? return for Eckler I haven't I haven't checked on that are they talking like week 13 week 13 I mean if we knew he was coming back in week 13 I would rather have Eckler yeah I'm I'm not I mean I I just feel like week 14 if it it moves even a week then you're then you're really kind of screwing yourself so um, I'm saying I'm holding Dobbins yeah, and in general, I would be holding Dobbins, too. Where are you at on that, Jake? And you guys are anticipating everything I want to talk about. I've got an Austin <laughs> Eckler buy low or buy it all uh, discussion for later, but I guess we can just well, get it in right here. I mean, well, that's why I was, I was going to initially say Christian McCaffrey, but that feels like the obvious because we know worst case he's back week 14, and I would take mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey for three games despite all being playoffs at that yes. point. Uh, but I, I actually would. I mean, yes, there's still a concern, but he's out there actually cutting right now, and that's week 11. So maybe there's a slim, slim, slim chance he's out there for week 12. It sounds like week 13 might be worst case. And if it's worst case week 14 and you push back, again, this is, I'm going to compare it to Chris McCaffrey. If I know I'm getting 100% Eckler and that's worst case and it's weeks 14, 15, 16, I will take it. And then, the reason I brought this up is because I think you'd be able to sell Dobbins quote unquote high if your trade deadline is Thanksgiving week, which a lot of leagues sometimes are. I, I could see that scenario of like, I'm if I'm going, put it this way, if I'm going for a championship and I'm going for the home run. I'm taking Eckler. That that's where it really comes down. I know some people out there will right. be like, "Well, Dobbins is a home run." As I don't, I do not trust this backfield. Just like Brandon said, he doesn't trust the Colts backfield, and they say, "I don't trust the Chargers backfield until Eckler's back." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's uh, I mean that, that's really where we were going to get into the the Eckler discussion. Is you would have to be. I mean, this is week eleven. You're sitting at nine and two, right? Eight and three. You're comfortably headed to the playoffs. How do you get in on Austin Eckler? I think that's the discussion. If right. you're five and six and you need wins now, right. you're not trying to trade for Austin Eckler. It's all about where you are in your standings, how you feel comfortable headed into your playoffs or not headed into your playoffs. That's when you get into the Austin Eckler discussion. And I do agree that that's the home run. That's the move that could put a good, solid playoff team over the top and turn it into a great championship team. So I think that's where you start thinking about Austin Eckler. And we'll maybe touch back on him a little bit. I do want to talk to you guys about the Chargers. But first, we got to uh, talk about some bad news. Joe Burrow tore his ACL in the Bengals' loss to the Washington football team. His season is done. And with this happening in late November, maybe the beginning of 2021 could be compromised for him. We'll worry about that at a later date. For now, 
We know that it's going to be Ryan Finley, most likely, potentially Brandon Allen, starting for the Bengals going forward. The offense went totally quiet after Joe Burrow's injury. I mean, what are we what are we doing, guys, with Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Giovanni Bernard, who's going to be starting for at least a couple more weeks with Joe Mixon going on IR? Do we have any confidence in any of these guys? Uh, Jake, why don't you take this one first? Uh, Jonah Hill gif of him screaming into his hands, like back and forth. <laughs> like that's, I mean, honestly, that's the truth. And, you know, the Alex Smith conversation we had on yesterday's show definitely did not get even close to having a top 15 performance, mostly because as soon as that, like you said, it went belly up. At that point in the game, what did Burrow have, like 200? One, two, three, oh, three or two, something. Oh, I think it was 203 and a touchdown. And a touchdown. And Alex Smith had 100 and change and a touchdown. And it was pretty competitive at the beginning of the third quarter. And then, like you said, done. Done. I mean, and it's <laughs> Washington. We talk about, all of us talk about it's an underrated defense, but it's still not. I mean, we're not talking that that secondary can't be beat. We're talking right, right. Ryan Finley is now at quarterback. I think you're downgrading everybody. I think that Tyler Boyd would feel like the safest quote unquote option because he's the slot guy. He's the easier one to get open. So I would say the bigger hit is to T. Higgins, A.J. Green, Dunn. I mean, I, I, Giovanni Bernard is going to be into – I know I'm kind of jumping into somebody else you want to talk about, but Duke Johnson level of the – you know, you're going to get volume to – Dave Montgomery, your volume is going to make you an RB2, but it's going to be ugly the rest of the way. Yeah, I was just looking at Tyler Boyd with Ryan Finley last year, and it was kind of a good, bad, and ugly in the three games. Yeah. He, he had a 100-yard game with a touchdown against Pittsburgh. He had a 60-yard game with no touchdown, and then he had a, a zero-yard game <laughs> on three targets against the Raiders. So um, it's a mixed bag, but I, I agree with Jake that he's probably the safest in the passing game, but you know, even at that, you're tempering, you're tempering your expectations in terms of value for across yeah. the board. It's a damn shame to see Joe Burrow's rookie season end like this, and uh, we just hope that this is not something that ends up uh, costing him any sort of time in 2021. A guy who's going to have two years in the NFL and not have a normal training camp, a normal preseason after what we all went through this summer and now going to be rehabbing an ACL, but hopefully, fingers crossed, week one 2021 rolls around, Joe Burrow can be out there for the Cincinnati Bengals. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Jake, ding, ding, ding. You are absolutely correct. I do want to talk about Duke Johnson here and what I am calling the perils of believing 
that volume is everything. Uh, if you didn't watch any of the game, if you woke up on Monday morning, had no idea what happened in Houston's game, and I told you that they had, they scored 27 points, they had 400 total yards, Duke handled 77% of running back carries, 71% of running back targets, you'd be like, beautiful, exactly what I wanted. <laughs> what do you have, like 80 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown? I would say, no, actually he didn't. He had 35 yards from scrimmage, no touchdown, 10 carries for 15 yards, Three catches on five targets for 20 yards. Uh, when do you say when on volume versus talent, Brandon? I mean, when do you decide that maybe volume isn't enough considering what the player is? I mean, we're using Duke Johnson as our lens for this discussion, but he's not the only guy who falls into this discussion. Well, you know, I've, I've been out on Duke Johnson. I ranked him in the, I believe, I had him 27th on my running back list. I just, you know, I don't I don't like Duke Johnson. I think, but the, here's the thing. Like, last year, Le'Veon Bell was kind of the this poster, poster player for this. I mean, he had, what did he have? He had, like, uh, 300 touches, and he was still RB22 or thereabouts overall. I mean, it's like... You know it, the Jets, the Bears. You you know where the the situations are rough, and um, you know you got to factor in what is fifteen to twenty. You know low efficiency touches worth compared to a guy like you know that might get ten or twelve, but has big play upside. Is in a, is in an offense that scores points. Um, it's just you know it's not you can't just make one you know basic assessment you gotta have to take take these individually but duke johnson in this houston texas offense i'm not going to ever be excited about him uh, to be honest so uh i don't think i answered your question very well it's just <laughs> it's not bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's funny that i actually i wasn't as low as brandon brandon definitely was more right about this one but i actually had him ranked close to todd Gurley. But that was not expecting both of them to only score three, four points. Uh, you know, it was because Todd really had a tough matchup and he's not using the passing game. And without a touchdown, as we've been talking about a lot of this season, his value is risky. Uh, both of them, and I'm only pulling this into the conversation to say, like, what's the difference between the risk of Todd Gurley and the risk of Duke Johnson? Well, as Brandon said, one's in an offense that features their running back more. Uh, they're both similar scoring offenses, but. At least they're getting the opportunities with Todd Gurley at the goal line and that kind of work where Duke Johnson is just, you know, everybody clamored for the longest time of like free Duke Johnson and free Duke Johnson and like similar to situations we've seen before with other running backs. Maybe these NFL teams know something about the players that are on their teams that they see day in and day out. And there's a reason they don't give them more. So I think if they had another competent option back there, Duke Johnson would have stayed in his role. So I was hesitant. I was not as low as Brandon. Brandon was definitely, yeah, I mean, Brandon, technically, you were still too high at 27. But yeah, I, like, yeah the guy had five points. Yeah, I, I think five. going forward, it's just the same thing. Like, uh, somebody asked me in the rankings column, they're like, why do you have Gio in front of Duke? I was like, because he's a better player and he's shown to be better. Now, Gio had a letdown game as well, but uh, we just talked about it. a lot. It had to do with Burrow and that offense just went right. belly up. But that's really why is like Duke Johnson hasn't really ever shown us that he can be the, the guy. I actually want to stick in that game, guys, and talk about both of these defenses. Let's start with Houston's defense because maybe you can pick on these guys. Jake, you mentioned Cam Newton had a 300-yard game. It was his second. He had that one 397-yard uh, game way back in week two against the Seahawks. Uh, maybe we should Feels be like thinking about these defenses in that same vein. <laughs> Cam goes for 365, better than nine yards per attempt. 
also threw for a touchdown. Demir Bird, six catches, 132 yards. He was on the receiving end of that Cam Newton touchdown. Uh, New England had 435 yards, 6.6 yards per play. This was a defense that gave up a whole lot of offense to a team that really hasn't played great offense this season. So you look at Houston's remaining schedule, and you don't see too many offensive juggernauts uh, coming up. They've got, uh, they're in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day, then they've got Indy, then they're at Chicago, then Indy again, and then the Joe Burrowless Cincinnati Bengals. So maybe we can't take advantage because the teams aren't there, but Jake, is it something you're going to be considering when you're looking at Lions this week? Colts next week, Bears the week after, the way Houston's defense has played? Colts. Uh, I'm skipping over Matthew Stafford and that busted thumb because that offense was god all You can't put up points. Yes. I know the Panthers' secondary. So the Panthers' pass defense still. is better than people realize. But <laughs> yeah. still, to put up zero in that game, so that's a whole nother, Like I don't trust that Stafford's going to do much until his thumb's okay. Mm-hmm. But to your point, you know, the Houston Texans defense in the APA is just outside, just outside the top 10 for favorable opponents of quarterbacks and wide receivers. Like some don't match up. Some give up a ton to quarterback, but, you know, it's offset by the fact that it ends up going to the running back, depending on the team, some of it to the tight end. Uh, so you can be skewed a little bit. So they're both just outside the top 10. And now this game will probably push them inside the top 10 because it based on who you face. And we know that Cam Newton's not a gunslinger and hasn't been passing this entire year. So, yeah, I think that you can. And the biggest appeal about it is similar to some other teams where we do this kind of a situation like the Cowboys earlier, is that their offense is good enough to continue to push the score where the other team has to play and you get more snaps, more opportunities, more push into the pace. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think you can look at Houston as a, a decent matchup, and they've been a decent matchup. The only concern is, like you said, the schedule doesn't bear a lot of opportunities for players that you want to go after like you're I mean you're obviously playing Kenny Galladay if he comes back but it's going to be Kenny Galladay and then what Michael Pittman and then Allen Robinson like it's like one guy in every single game (laughs) yeah Yeah, right that week 16 matchup if uh, Burrow were healthy we could have got excited about the Bengals being your championship week heroes but without Joe Burrow it's hard to get excited about them. Uh, Brandon, let's let's actually flip it over to the other defense in this game, New England's defense. And this is a name-brand defense that, let's just be frank about, they're just not very good this season. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson, I know that is a brutal matchup, and Deshaun Watson can make the best defense in the league look bad, but he was excellent again. 344 yards, two touchdowns, 9.3 yards per attempt, also ran for 36 yards in a score. You had Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller both go for 80-plus yards. Of course, the touchdowns go to Kiki QT and Randall Cobb, so those help no one except for the Deshaun Watson managers. Houston, 399 yards, 7.1 yards per play, and this is one where we can take advantage because New England's remaining schedule, not including Week 17, looks like this. Arizona at Chargers, at Rams, at Miami, and Week 16, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Is this going to be an open-the-floodgate situation for you and anyone who's fantasy-relevant against New England ends up in a starting lineup? Yeah, you can run on them, you can throw on them, and they cannot get after the quarterback. They don't put a lot of pressure on when you watch these games. The quarterbacks are relatively comfortable most of the game in the pocket. Um, They're giving up well over four yards per carry. So, And that's the problem with both of these defenses. Houston's awful against the run. The Patriots aren't good either. And when in and then you exacerbate the issue by, in New England's case, by not being able to get out to the quarterback. You can run, you can throw, you can really pick your poison uh, in which to take these guys on. So most teams, when they when they're facing, they have an, they have a way to beat this New England defense. So uh, yeah, then it's it's it took a little while. It honestly, took a few weeks. But if you just watch them play, um, 
then you start to realize, okay, this is not 2019, 2018 New England Patriots defense. This is something on a whole different order. So, yeah, if you're still kind of holding on to what they were, you got to let that go because this is this is a soft defense. Jake, you look at those teams that they've got coming up, and there are plenty of guys on these teams that you're starting regardless of the defense. But Arizona, Christian Kirk, would you feel better about him the week after that? The Chargers, you feel better about getting Mike Williams in there? The Rams, does Josh Reynolds maybe factor into the, the discussion? Those fringy guys on those teams, do you think a matchup with New England's defense is enough to boost them into lineups? Yeah, so uh, I've been talking about this a lot this year, is that their pass defense, even with and without, whether he's out there, Stephon Gilmore has been something that you can actually play a favorable matchup with that even Stefan Gilmore is not shutting people down like he used to. I don't know if he just hasn't been 100% the entire year, and that was his first game back after, what, three weeks? So, you know, there's some concerns there, but you can pass them all year. The, the one thing there they have played well at times is they – at times have played well against running backs. I'm not even talking about Duke Johnson yesterday. I'm just talking about at the times of the season. But depending on who the running back is, if you can get in space, Brandon's right, you can even run against them. So I think that you look at going forward, sure, you can. Christian Kirk's already in the conversation, but I would say the people who are already in. Like I wouldn't go as far as to say, let's get Larry Fitzgerald out there, and I wouldn't right. say let's get Van Jefferson <laughs> involved in this matchup. <laughs> but the guys who are already fringy relevant – I, in the past, you would say, oh, gosh, they're facing the Patriots. We might even consider benching the second person. But at this point, yes, you can feel fine about that fringe option that was already into relevancy. Um, all right, guys, uh, I've got Jonathan Taylor up next, but we basically already hit that subject, even though he had the 22 carries, the 90 yards, uh, 10 carries combined for Naeem Hines Start Jordan and Wilkins. Jordan Wilkins. Four, <laughs> I mean, four, four targets? For Jonathan Taylor. So, can we just quickly? I, I'm curious yeah. to hear what Jake would say. Jake, where do you where are you kind of like ballparking his ranking this week against Tennessee? I'm just curious. For who? Jo- Jordan, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm do- it's I'm going to do the same thing I'm doing with DJ Moore. I did a couple weeks ago with DJ Moore. And I said he's wide receiver 20. I'm done. I'm not screwing around anymore. So, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, you're just you're running him right there. You're running back 20. Yeah, that's it. You're done. Yeah. Uh, you're running back 20. In, that factors in yeah. the in the Reich no. the Reich risk. Right I, don't, I don't care who you're facing. I don't care if you're facing the Ravens. I don't care if you're facing. The Panthers you're you're running back 20 I'm done I mean I want to feel good about him just because of the fact that he got 22 carries and four targets Hines and Wilkins combined for 10 carries and five targets but he got just 90 yards on those 22 carries it's well, see, like I think that's the better football. question was how many games until you feel good about him as a guaranteed top 20 like is it just another game right. for you guys would it be a third game in a row like how many games in a row does he need for before you guys say yes he's guaranteed top 20 I think if he gave you another game where he had this big of a gap between what his opportunity is and what Hines and Wilkins is and doesn't fall flat on his face, like if he gave you a, this exact same line again, if he goes 22 for 90 and those guys get 10 carries, I would feel pretty decent about the Colts signaling that he's our guy for the rest of the season, okay. at least in like a 70-30 sort of split. I'm just pissed off that Ames Hines touchdown came back. That actually cost me a matchup. <laughs> uh, are you on that same page, Brandon, with Jonathan Taylor going forward? Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. If I see, you know, 18-plus touches this week and it, and there's nobody, you know, and, and, and the other guys, Wilkins and Hines, are kind of, you know, there's a big discrepancy in touches. I'm kind of with you. And, you know, we want... We want one guy to emerge. I was going to be okay if it was Naheem Hines, but mm-hmm. we want one guy to tackle this soft schedule the remaining you know, the remaining way. It's no fun when you play a bunch of soft defenses and you're splitting it up three ways. 
Um, all right, well, let's, let's talk about Michael Pittman Jr., the other guy on this team that I wanted us to discuss here. And he really is going to jump us into what is a pretty light week on the waiver wire, easily the lightest week we've had on the wire this season. Pittman had just three targets, which, I mean, come on, guys. Let's get this guy more than three targets. Turned it into 66 yards and a touchdown, showed off the speed on the touchdown, a 45-yarder where Green Bay seemed to lose him. But once they lost him, there was absolutely no catching him. And I was surprised to see when I went looking for waiver wire guys to put into the show that he technically qualifies, rostered in fewer than 50% of both Yahoo and CBS leagues. So, He's easily, I think, the number one waiver target in leagues where he's available, regardless of position. But forget about him in the waiver discussion. I mean, I think this is someone who is almost a default starter at this point, unless you're super deep at the wide receiver position. Brandon, I know you're a big Michael Pittman Jr. guy. Uh, where are you at on him? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. But uh, Jake and I argued about this. This <laughs> yes. is the thing that drives me crazy about this Indianapolis offense. I mean, he had yeah. 15 targets combined the two weeks before. Jake's calling him the the wide receiver one, and I was just cautioning that man. This is like this is indie. They don't they don't from week to week believe in that kind of thing. And and this is a game where boom, all of a sudden Michael Pittman. It was very productive. Three targets. He had the big long touchdown. But I think T. Y. Hilton had seven targets and was like more than double him. And it, it's like it, this is why we are concerned about Jonathan Taylor as well. What do we need to see to believe it? And it's kind of the same deal with Michael Pittman. You want to see uh, sustained kind of wide receiver one for this team kind of volume production. But I just don't know that if we can, you know, just like the tight end where it's Trey Burton some weeks and Moelle Cox and Jack Doyle and the backfield. It's kind of been a revolving door at wide receiver. I'm not saying it should be. Michael Pittman should be the guy. He clearly is the most talented guy right now. But I don't know if I can 100 percent believe it. Yeah, well, and the reason we got into the argument is because I do, and this is we are definitely on different sides of this one. That's one of the biggest ones we've been on so far this year. The biggest disagreements we've had, and it's just because you know, even if it's four, even if it's seven, even if it's ten or whatever it is, he's the number one. By it doesn't always have to. I think you understand what I'm about to say is that it doesn't always have to be the most targets. It's just you're treated as the number one, and sometimes, you know, even the other number ones on other teams. You know, a good comparison might be Sterling Shepard. It's not always going to be the number one in targets. Some games it might be Evan Ingram, but default number one, and most of the times it's going to mean he's the most valuable because also T.Y. Hilton at this point, as I joked last week on the show, fell off the cliff, hit a rock on the way down, and then blew up into a ball of flames at the bottom. He's toast. He's like running four-yard routes in that game. Mm-hmm. It just He's done. So I understand it, and I'm not going to say I'm 100% right after one game. And also, to, admittedly, in that argument we were having yesterday, I said CeeDee Lamb for this week and then Michael Pittman going forward, and they were actually very close this week. Uh, I think Pittman only barely outscored him by like one point, uh, which I didn't even expect. I was on Lamb for this week. So I understand where Brandon's coming from. I, just, I am in on Michael Pittman. I understand the concerns. Um, all right, well, let's uh, let, let's take a brief, brief look at the waiver wire. Here's how we're going to do this. Uh, I've got two questions in mind. Uh, <laughs> the first one there? is, are there any wide receivers you want to beat the drum for? I'm going to count down from three to one. And if there's someone you want to beat the drum for, jump in. If there's no one, I'll get to one, and then I'll just move on to the next discussion. So here we go. You guys ready? Sure. Here we go. Any wide receiver you want to beat the drum for? Three, two. Debo Samuel. 
<laughs> Look, I, he's a, he's an obvious name, but he last week I checked, he was like 50% uh, rostered in Yahoo Leagues. He's coming back. He's got a decent schedule down the stretch. If you, if you kind of forgot about him, the rest of your league mates did as well. Uh, make sure you grab him this week, although by... By Wednesday, I'm sure there's going to be you know a lot of buzz about him returning. I completely misunderstood. I thought you were going to name three guys and we were jumping in <laughs> like this one. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on Debo Samuel. The other one I'll throw out there is I this is this is the Keelan Cole. So I'm not I'm making I'm not making the case for Keelan Cole. Despite we, I want to talk about somebody I know we're going to talk about somebody with that team, but. It's similar to him where if you haven't picked them up by now, you just don't want them. And that's Tim Patrick right. for the for the Broncos. Like I take Tim Patrick's name off his damn jersey and otherwise you give him hell. You put Michael Gallup's name on the back of Tim Patrick's jersey and he's eighty percent owned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. I mean, we've seen multiple 100-yard games out of Tim Patrick, uh, just very involved in the passing game, even though Drew Locke hasn't taken the step forward that so many of us hoped he would this season. So, But Tim Patrick, definitely someone who belongs in that discussion, who you could pick up very easily in a surprising number of leagues yes. and uh, maybe be feel, feel, feel good about starting right off the one, bat. Yeah, one legitimate bad game since the beginning of October, and that was against the Kansas City pass defense, which is one of the best in the leagues. He offset his bad game against Atlanta with a touchdown which is that's what you want from your wide receiver too let alone a wide receiver four that people treat him as yeah three 100 yard games going back to the start of October here and uh, three touchdowns also on the season for Tim Patrick at the running back position there's really no one who jumps out at us so I just want to have more of a wide-ranging look at the position and ask I know we talked about this a little bit on Thursday Jake but right now are you getting your handcuffs? If you have Aaron Jones, are you getting Jamal Williams? Even if you're cutting someone useful, are you getting Alexander Madison if you have Dalvin Cook? Are you getting Devontae Booker if you have Josh Jacobs? Are you securing your handcuffs at all costs at this point of the season? Well, so I was going to say the, the first two probably long gone in most leagues. Uh, maybe sure. 10 team, they might be floating out there. But I was that's the where I was going to go is the Devontae Booker, Deontay Foreman. Those start to need to be on rosters. The ones where you can predict probably 60% of the touches. You know, the foreman's a perfect example. I was just having this conversation with my buddy here yesterday. He was in town. And he was like, I've been stashing McNichols. I'm like, you're stashing the wrong person. Like, so <laughs> the, what the difference is, I don't think Foreman is getting Henry's workload. I don't think that Devontae Booker would necessarily see 80% of the work for the Raiders. But the lead option who, you know, we know could be the lead option. And yes, they could go belly up like Duke Johnson. But yet those, I'm not trying to mess around with backfields like, Who's the Miami backup? Hell, who's the Miami lead? Right. <laughs> Miles Gaskin <laughs> might come back and be the guy. So I'm not screwing around with those. But if Tony Pollard was still sneaking out there some leagues, which you just saw yesterday, why shouldn't it be? Uh, all those kind of guys need to be on rosters. Hell, I, I hate to say it, but even Alfred Morris behind Wayne Gallman. Uh, what, what, whatever happened to Devonte Freeman? Remember that guy hurt and then hurt again and then can't come <laughs> back and yeah, hurt, hurt and yeah. Wayne Gallman playing, uh, playing yeah. pretty decent. His body's just broken down at this point, sadly. By the way, if, if Deonta Foreman becomes a thing, our fearless leader Nando is going to be uh, <laughs> having a very happy holidays. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. All those rookie cards that are probably did I leave anybody out? House. Benny Snell, him too. Benny Snell, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, but to your point, Jake. I mean, like. I have, you know, I my Ezekiel. I've had Tony Pollard all year long. Right. You know, my Chris Carson. I've had Carlos Hyde all year long. I yeah. think that that should have been taken care of a long time ago. If you're lucky enough to go and get your handcuff now, well, good for you. But 
you should have been thinking about that a long time ago. And if you don't, if you don't aren't able to get them now, then that's you know that'll just be a lesson learned. Insurance policies very important at this time of the fantasy football season. All right, guys, a few more things to talk about here. Let's hit, let's hit on the Chargers. Immense volume in this Chargers passing game. Justin Herbert threw 49 passes in a game that they led 24-6 at halftime. And I know he did plenty of that in the first half when he threw for 277 yards. But they really didn't take uh, the foot off the passing gas too much in the second half. Obviously, Keenan Allen is you know arguably wide receiver one, period, uh, for the remainder of the season. But... The way this team is attacking defenses, does it buoy your interest in Mike Williams and Hunter Henry? Where are you at on this, Brandon? Oh, absolutely. I love Mike Williams. I always felt like he was being undervalued all, you know, preseason long. Of course, I was thinking it in the way of like, you know what, Tyrod Taylor can throw a pretty good deep ball and it might work out pretty well. But who knew that Justin Herbert would come in and Michael Salfino's already saying he throws one of the five best deep balls of all time, which, you know, he's he's <laughs> He's quick to that take, but um, we can't deny that Justin Herbert does throw a really good deep ball, and Mike Williams is one of the better deep ball threats in the league, and it's kind of playing out. You know, he's had he's had a very good season, so um, it does buoy my you know belief in uh, Mike Williams being a sustainable fantasy you know contributor for your for your teams down the stretch. Absolutely. Yeah, this is one of those situations where you'd love the wide receiver three on the team. Why? Because Keenan Allen's one and two. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> look at this going forward. This is the other side of it. It's like, so you got Buffalo with you assume White will spend time. Keenan Allen doesn't matter. Keenan Allen's going to see 10 plus targets. Yes. It doesn't matter who he faces. Going so, I'm just talking about the advantage of what Mike Williams gets, even if Keenan Allen gets a top corner. So Buffalo, New England, Atlanta, Las Vegas, Denver. The only person in there is Tredavious White. And then outside of that, like, so yes, Mike Williams. And now you're talking about offenses like Atlanta, Las Vegas. Maybe if Drew Locke shows up well for the championship game, like those are like offenses that you're not that concerned about either being able to keep pace and force this team to keep going. Yeah. And we, we both kind of tiptoed around Hunter Henry on purpose. Like <laughs> I, I think Hunter Henry is because he's touchdown or bust. But the, the thing is, he's like a, He's got this string of like 30-yard games. You pretty much can count on 25 to 45 receiving yards. It's whether he gives you the touchdown. And at least he's done that the last couple weeks. Honestly, if you're getting 35 yards from your tight end and three or four catches, that's as, that's as good as you can get for a bad tight end week. For oh, I you should have done the – if you get three catches and 40 yards, you might be a tight end one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of where I was yeah. kind of where I was going with that, you know. It's true. So, hey, uh, you know, you know who gave us a, a tight end one performance? The Dallas Cowboys with Dalton Schultz getting in the end zone uh, at the end of that game and uh, I've got this one. I think it's phrased perfectly, you guys. Are the Cowboys kind of sort of back-ish? with what we saw from them against the Vikings in that upset victory on Sunday. Yet Andy Dalton throwing for a little bit more than 200 yards and three touchdowns. Did need 32 pass attempts to get there, but hey, three touchdowns. We're not going to argue with it, especially with what we've seen from Dallas since Dak went down. Ezekiel Elliott, 21 carries, 103 yards, his first 100-yard game of the season. Had one of those uh, passing touchdowns uh, on the other end from Andy Dalton. Amari Cooper, six grabs, 81 yards. CeeDee Lamb, four grabs, 34 yards, and a touchdown. Also got a little involved on the ground and added a two-point uh, conversion for good measure. I mean, are we believing in – are they back enough to the point where you feel decent about Zeke as an RB1, Cooper as an, a wide receiver two, and CeeDee 
as a wide receiver three. I mean, can you feel good about that, Jake? Mm, so I think so. Look, look, we said it on the Wednesday show, Thursday show, Sunday show. I don't. Some of those shows, I know they even overlapped at some point. Yeah. The Andy Dalton wasn't one bad game did not ruin Andy Dalton's career. Like that's what we were saying. Like yes, there was concern, but the people that were burying this team as done for. You don't want anybody on it. Zeke Elliott's going to be trashed the rest of the year. You can't use any of the wide receivers and all this other stuff. Like this is why like Andy Dalton had one bad game. Like it's like let's let up and like see a second game maybe. So chill out. Andy Dalton's fine, but also don't now swing the complete opposite direction and be like, everything's golden again. Mari Cooper mm-hmm. and CeeDee Lamb are guaranteed must-starts. Michael Gallup might be real. Like, there's still going to be less upside than when Dak Prescott was out there, but they're not dead. And what we said last week, uh, Ezekiel, if you didn't buy low, you missed your window. We said it was going to slam shut. We all agreed on that. We all had like 105 to 110 yards as his projections for this week, and we almost all hit it. What was he at, like 115? So... You look at that, and yeah, I think that Lamb, I feel actually now the safest about. And it's not just about that matchup, which we talked about on the Sunday show as well. But Lamb feels like Dalton's guy, quote-unquote, because of the volume, and that Cooper is going to be boomer bust. I think Gallup's out of the equation. That's the only one I think is done for right now. Yeah, I kind of think, you know, I think about Dalton like 2018 Cincinnati Bengals. Like, he's a... He's a serviceable uh, quarterback. You know, Joe Mixon was a back-end volume RB1. That can be Ezekiel Elliott. Tyler Boyd was a solid wide receiver, too, and was a slot guy. And, and I, I agree that CeeDee Lamb being, you know, the slot guy for Dallas, that in, in the fact that they've kind of clicked a little bit makes him feel pretty safe. I think Amari Cooper will be fine, too, and I'm, I'm out on Michael Gallup. But I just, you know, you think about Dalton's not going to be a world beater, but he can, you know, he can at least – get guys close mm-hmm. to where their value would be. I mean, it's not going to be Dak Prescott, like you said, but he's he's a hell of a lot better than the third stringers that they were throwing out there. And that's really where Elliott, you know, that was his issue. He was still getting volume, but this offense tanked because you had third and fourth string quarterbacks out there. Andy Dalton's been around and he'll make this he'll make this offense serviceable. So well, see, I, I think, you know real quick, yeah, Brandon, go ahead. I was gonna say this is why I'm a little bit concerned about Mari Cooper's the schedule. Washington, Baltimore, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philadelphia. That feels like a lot of running games and not a lot of passing. One is defenses, but also teams that can't even keep. Like Cincinnati's not going to put up points. San Francisco probably not going to put up too many points. Like that's that's my little bit. My concern is like Cooper's probably going to be, you know, eighty in a touch or thirty yards. Yeah, back to being. Old school Cooper. Yeah, old school Cooper. There you go. <laughs> well, one of those teams you just mentioned is uh, one that I want to talk about. I know we have to. Uh, don't want to be stuck in the NFC East, but here we are. Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, just they they suck the life out of me when I watch this team. Uh, you're starting Miles Sanders. You're starting Dallas Goddard. Is there anyone else that you would want to start in this <laughs> offense? And bonus question. Do you start thinking about maybe scooping and stashing Jalen Hurts in a super flex league? Uh, Jake, why don't you go on this one? Uh, I don't I don't think so much about Hurts. It, he's just sub packages and stuff like that. The only thing would be like if Wentz got But maybe hurt. they bench Wentz. I'm Wentz no, you that's, know. I don't think that's... This, no. is a, this is an amazing week to ask this question because you get Seattle on Monday night. So it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're out on Folga, we're out on Rieger, but are we this week? No, that's see, the that's question. The it's like, so I, I would start Rieger. I, I am legitimately 100%. I said it going into that game. I was giving Fulgham one more chance, and it's not just because my Fulgham love. It's just the fact that I watched the game before that, too, and I saw he only got five targets. And as I brought up on last week's show, 
half, well, because it's five, you can't have a real half, but I would say three out of the five weren't even catchable. He stopped looking at Fulgham mostly because now he's got healthy options. He's got Riggers back. He's got Dallas Goddard. Now Zach Ertz is coming back. Wentz has just stopped looking at Travis Fulgham because the other part of it is Travis Fulgham's also got the downside of why I was off Brian Edwards and other guys like that is he's getting number one attention. So when you get number one attention, and let's be honest, as much as I can love Travis Fulgham, I hope he's not listening to this, he's not an NFL number one wide receiver. He's a better number two. So you take away him when he faces that top coverage and Wentz isn't going to force the ball. And part of the problem is Wentz's play. So Rager is the guy I actually like. But if Zach Ertz is back, I mean, I might be towards the end of last year. And it's the only people I do like are Sanders and the tight ends. I mean, we just might throw all the wide receivers out the window. And and by the way, Seattle's actually been good on defense the last two weeks. Jamal Adams being back and Carlos, Carlos Dunlop is showing up uh, in terms of the pass rush. So they are getting better. And I actually may only uh, be in on Sanders and Goddard this week, to be honest with you. Rager would be the third one I'd consider. I actually don't think I would feel too good about Carson Wentz. God, he just looks terrible. That that pick six he threw was an oh absolute God. abomination. It was such a I mean it was such a rainbow lollipop into the flat. I think the the deep safety could have picked six. Do you guys that. remember just, just two years ago? Well two and a half now, three years technically, like when we were like he might be top five quarterback. And now it's like yes. what's wrong? I honestly might- I'm not out on Carson Wentz as having a good career still. I, I think his I'm not out either shot but yeah. some, he does not this dude, I don't know if he's not 100% I don't know if he's in his own head something is not right somebody yeah. I saw somebody on Twitter yesterday say it was continuity that he's just had mixing parts all year long and hasn't had you know the same basically set of skill position players for even three games in a row and yeah. Part but of you my know arc- who deals with you can that, take like, that all the way back to last. I know where too. you're going, Brandon. I was my my part was like you're an NFL quarterback if you're supposed to be in the conversation as a potential top 10 Tom Brady did that for years I don't. I don't I care. Was, yeah, like, I was going to go with Aaron Rodgers, but you're right. Yeah. You can you can probably point to a lot Aaron of the Rogers top quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is a better example right now. He hasn't even had a competent number two for, for years. Right. <laughs> right. Poor yeah. Marquez Valdez Scantling makes a great play at the end of the ha- at the end of the game to help force overtime, and then no one even remembers it. <laughs> no one. Even How about you know what? I, this is fumble. completely sidebarred for fun, but you, we went to like a little pause and changed topics real quick. I was going to go back to Tim Patrick for him trying to score on that last play was kind of like a dick move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's trying uh, to appease his fancy, uh, fancy yeah. managers, right? Just being just being a good guy, trying to get in the end zone <laughs> like that. Uh, hey, uh, let's uh, let, let's hit on Gardner Minshew really quickly here. I, I really hope we're getting him back soon. Jake Luton, four interception game in Week Eleven. He's made three starts, yes. uh, completing yes. just fifty four and a half percent of his passes, six hundred twenty four yards, five point six seven yards per attempt, fewer than five yards per attempt in both of the last two games. Basically, all the damage was in that first game uh, that first he play. had against the Houston defense. <laughs> we <laughs> talked about a little earlier being very friendly uh, to opposing passing games. DJ Chark hasn't quite been himself. Even James Robinson hasn't quite been himself. The volume has been there on the ground, but he's had three of his four worst receiving games of the season with Luton. We don't know when Minshew's coming back, but can we at least bet on him being the starter when he's healthy and ready to go? He's back this week. Let's do it. Minshew's back. I was right? just Stream say, him. I was Put just going to say, I yield, I yield my time to the biggest Gardner Minshew <laughs> fan of this pod. Uh, he go is ahead, back Jake. in. Look, I tweeted this yesterday. Birthday celebration for Jake. Minshew is back against the Browns at home. Thank you. That's the best birthday present I could get. I'm so happy. Like you can here's the only you cannot tell me they are not going back to Minshew unless you are clearly 
tanking and just yes. like if they do not put Minshew at quarterback this week, you are you're not even hiding it anymore. You are tanking for that yes. number two pick because you don't want Minshew to be the answer and you're going with probably like not Lawrence, but you're gonna go and hopefully that Justin Fields is the answer at number two. Saying the quiet part out loud is uh, in vogue in America these days, and that is exactly what the Jaguars would be doing if they decided to uh, bench a healthy Minshew for Luton. You cannot tell me that Luton's the better quarterback. What? He for sure is. No universe. No way. Of course not. And that's exactly what they would be telling us is that, nah, we want Trevor Lawrence if they, uh, <laughs> if they decide to start Luton over a healthy Minshew. But that does take us right into the quarterback stream here. Uh, Jake, we know where you are. Brandon, we have no <laughs> buys this week, only two more buys the rest of the season. Those are coming can't say in Derek week 13. <laughs> no, ah. the, the, the script says I can't say Taysom Hill. It does not say I can't say Derek Carr. I just can't believe that Derek Carr is a possible answer to this. Now, in Yahoo Leaks, he's actually sub-40% rostered. Same for Kirk Cousins, who you could make an argument for going to Carolina. CBS, they're both plus 70% uh, rostered, so you know maybe a discrepancy there. But how are we even having this discussion about Derek Carr? It's cra- this guy is legit. Get him in there, right, Brandon? Yeah, absolutely, and he's been a, he's been an absolutely rock solid. I, other than like uh, crazy weather games, he's he's been really good. So I think you can feel good. And I will throw out Danny Dimes actually as a decent oh. option as well <laughs> against Cincinnati with all the guys healthy. Uh, he actually has a chance for, to the, for the first time in his NFL career to go three games without an interception against Cincinnati. Thank you so, for jinxing him. <laughs> Very exciting stuff that we'll be watching play out. But he's third among quarterbacks in rushing yards. Ed of Cam Newton. Well, that was going to be my Watson, question back to you. Are you not concerned Russell about Wilson. Cincinnati putting yeah. up zero fight? Um, nah, I'm not concerned. I mean, I, I, I think I'm concerned a little bit, but um, it's it's still Cincinnati's defense, and uh, I don't know. I think he can. I think he'll do all right. Are they going to really just? run out the clock with Wayne Gallman in the backfield. I just don't see it happening. No, but I could see a 17 to six type of game because the Giants yeah. defense is another underrated defense this year right. for what Patrick Graham has been able to get out of them. But yeah, yeah, you know, well. I will say if there is no Minshew back, yeah, obviously the Taysom Hill one is up there, but if they like, okay, I, I tweeted Emory Hunt this, our old friend, Emory Hunt, well, still our friend, but an old friend that used to work yeah. with this morning old is about colleague. the Miami Dolphins of like, hey, we're in the playoff hunt. Hey, we're still going with the Tua plan. Hey, we're not going to change our offense too much. And now we're going to blame it on Tua and take him out of the game midstream. Mm-hmm. Now they're coming out today and saying he's the guy still. If Tua is starting against the Jets, he's a great streamer. I, I don't care that people are scared about what just happened. I would say, and if it's not him, it's Fitzpatrick, just whoever's facing the Jets this week. Giants defense, you say, Jake, one of the most underrated in the game, and that you have a That's very nice it. streaming opportunity in Cincinnati. Are they at the top of your list? I think you have to have one. Of, like, if I can't imagine who else is out there. Like Washington, I I would actually like them more than Washington against Andy Dalton because you're facing a, an offense with Finley. So yeah, I would say Giants. Outside of that. I don't know. You listed the Packers. I guess the Packers because you could always go for the turnovers and forcing whether it's Foles or I mean, is it going to be Foles? Question mark. So uh, for, it so, sounds like it's going to be Trubisky this early in the week. I thought I thought Trubisky was still not healthy yet. So I mean, either one of them. I think you're kind of hoping for the they force the pace and you force turnovers. That's what you're going for. Honestly, as weird as it say, I might. I, I like the Giants. They would have been my number one choice. But since you did, I, I might consider Seattle on Monday night. <laughs> yes, uh, the Eagles have given up 40 sacks, 14 interceptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, they only the Broncos have given up more 
points. Uh, only the Broncos offense have given up more points to opposing defenses. Like, no, that's uh, a good like point. I said, I, somebody asked that. Somebody's like, no, Miles Garrett, are you going to move down the Browns defense? I said, no, because Carson Wentz still gets sacked like every single yeah. play. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. He sure does, and he throws passes. That I mean, if you were if you tasked a quarterback with throwing a pass that was purposely designed to be pick six, it was the one that he threw <laughs> that got pick six. So, so hey, I know we have two minutes. Can I hijack the end of the show real quick? Mike, because yes, you, you skipped the topic, I, I kind of feel. Are we concerned because Matt Ryan's games without Julio Jones, he's always been QB 22, 23, 24, 25, like miserable without him. And that team looked miserable in what we thought should be a shootout yesterday. Concerns, question mark, about Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, and this offense, even Todd Gurley as a whole, if no Julio Jones, or just concerns in general, asking you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think Calvin Ridley operates better as the, you know, the Robin to Julio Jones' Batman for sure. And um, like, so it's the Raiders this week. Um, and at home. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, you're still playing Ridley. We even saw that. He'll just get so much volume and it might not be super Matt efficient. <laughs> but I don't think I'm, I don't, I mean, I probably, no buys this week. Ryan. I'm, he's not in my top 15 for sure. He's probably, probably late teens to low 20s. Yeah, I don't think I want to start Ryan. And yeah, uh, Ridley can just sort of volume and power his way. He had five for 90 in the loss to the Saints. So I still think you can feel good about him. But he's probably the only guy in that offense I feel good about with Julio likely out. I mean, is that where you are too, Jake? Yeah, and I'm hesitant about Todd. I don't see how you bench Todd Gurley. But, you know, Mm -hmm. just concerns across the board. And that's why I don't want to bring it up. Hayden Hurst is probably a rock-solid tight end one. <laughs> Hayden Hurst with his <laughs> wonderful goose egg yesterday. We finally have a good tight end week, and Hayden Hurst goes zero. Yeah, would you trade? I mean, like, if someone would just, like, I mean, you would you would go after him, though, right? Like, you would think that he's going to rebound uh, going forward. I, I, I feel like he will. but Maybe? Question mark? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> it's tight end position. That's the state of the tight end position in 2020, and hopefully we do get a healthy Julio, although... That remains to be seen whenever he suffers one of these leg injuries. Um, That's going to do it, guys. We're going to wrap things up here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We're with you all week, and our $1 per month deal is back celebrating Black Friday a few days early. Go to theathletic.com slash fantasyfootballpod to get in on the action if you are not yet a subscriber. Uh, This show will be back tomorrow. That will be Nando DeFino and Chris Vaccaro. Three of us back on Wednesday to talk week 12 rankings, get you ready for the three-game slate on Thanksgiving and the 13 games coming up behind it. For Brandon and Jake, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the Monday night game. We will talk to you all very soon. See you then. We'll be right back.